Welcome to the Born Unbreakable podcast. I'm your host, Coach Des, mindset motivator and lifestyle entrepreneur. From lost trauma, disappointments and devastation to healing hope and betterment, what has grounded me is my unbreakable spirit. We all have that spirit within us. Every week, I'm here to inspire you with stories of perseverance and growth. My mission is to help you crush self-limiting beliefs and to be unapologetically you. You are your only limit, so take action today. Let your unbreakable ride begin now. This episode is brought to you by Blue Skies Life, a lifestyle brand with high quality, ethical, and sustainable products. There are products for your mind, body, and home, everything from calming tea and luxurious shea butter to Turkish towels and silk kimonos. The holiday season is upon us, so start getting these one-of-a-kind gifts now. Go to blueskieslife.com, that's B-L-U-S-K-Y-S, L-I-F-E dot com and use code BU20 to get 20% off your order today. Welcome to the Born Unbreakable podcast. We're back for another episode. If it's your first time here, then you're definitely in for a really amazing treat with my guest today. And if you're back, thank you. Thank you for coming back. Thank you for being here. This is a space of inspiration, and I always want people to come and walk away inspired. So let me tell you about my guest. I'm just so excited to have Sylvester Jenkins III on the show today. And Sylvester is so many things. So he's from Columbus, Ohio. He's today in Tennessee right now, just outside of Nashville. And he is an adversity and resilience speaker. So we are definitely gonna be talking about resilience today. He's a father of four, a husband, a retired army first sergeant. Thank you so much for your service. My father was in the army as well. So I grew up in a military family. Um, You're a fitness enthusiast, so we have that in common. Uh, And you're a self-published author. I'm really thrilled to be able to talk about your work today because I want people to be able to connect with it and go out and support you and and, um, buy your books. Um, And what I also love about Sylvester is he is a mental health advocate, what we need to spend a lot more time talking about because I do not think that we talk about it enough. Um, I'm gonna let Sylvester tell you his story, but just a little bit as a backdrop, um, he did grow up in a single parent household. I know it was a low income and you had some adversity around you growing up in an environment with gangs and with drugs and, you know, not so much the ideal inspirational uh motivational environment that you know is is not exactly your springboard into you know the best version of what you can be so i i know you spend a lot of time empowering people today but i want to go back i want to go back in time to young sylvester columbus ohio growing up having to make decisions in the environment you were in before you pivoted into deciding to go into the military what was your life like growing up uh so my life like was growing up so as far as me you know like you stated earlier i grew up in a low income single parent home uh the closest thing i ever had to a father for me growing up was my older brother who was seven years older than me and a lot of times my mother, she was working multiple shifts on a minimum wage uh, salary in order to provide for us. So there was a lot of emotional detachment in that. So it was easy for me to be compelled to the gangs and the drugs and all those things. They became like a surrogate family to me. And just going along that journey, dealing with identity issues, dealing with low self-esteem, because I wasn't um, like a fitness enthusiast like I am today. But that propelled me to get to that level. Um, but just going through the motions of dealing with uh, masculinity, identity issues, uh, just caused me to just feel unworthy or, or worthless, if I want to say. And even in school, it reflected because I failed multiple times in school. I failed the fourth grade, sixth grade, the eighth grade, 10th grade. I even had my English teacher tell me that 
I wasn't college material. And that was such a heartbreaking moment for me just to hear that coming from somebody who is supposed to be like this influential person who's supposed to guide me to that level of becoming a, a phenomenal student. So just hearing those words and just being in the environment that, that we was in, because I felt as though I was just not in the position to be better than where I was at. I never found myself being able to overcome any obstacles. I just felt so uh, unvaluable. And just going along that, I joined the military because I just felt like I wasn't college material. And when I joined the military, I was looking for a, a sense of purpose. Uh, a way out of the environment that I was growing up in. So there's so many soldiers that come into the military due to not having another way out. They don't know where to go. And so they join the military to try to uh, find a sense of purpose. They feel serving their country is the best way to do it. And I was one of those people. And in the military, I still suffered hardship uh, because I was uh, engaged to be married at one point in time, uh, roughly about my first three years in the military. And the person that I was engaged to be married to, she cheated on me and got pregnant by somebody else. So it was just like I felt like more worthless than I was already prior to uh, my childhood. So it was like, man, one thing after another. And then um, I deployed uh, five times. I've deployed four times to Iraq, one time to Afghanistan. So just dealing in that environment of being in combat, you don't know anything dealing with uh, your welfare and well-being, because at any point in time, you can lose your life. Like I always tell people, combat does not discriminate. They don't care who, if you're a mother or father, sister or brother. They don't care what your religion is. They don't care anything about you. And you go through these experiences because at some point in time, you got to go out here and complete the mission to the best of your abilities. But you never have an opportunity to really uh, find your emotions or deal with your emotions going through that. You have to suppress that pain. You have to suppress those emotions. And I was always uh, told that uh, you need to wipe those tears away growing up. I was always told to shield my emotions because you can be a punk or a sissy by crying as a man, especially as a young black man. You think about like there's multiple uh, single parent homes with black women who who tell they don't want their kid. They want to raise men. So they're raising them the best way they know how. And a lot of times they feel like showing their emotions will weaken them when it comes to just being a man in general. And I dealt with that not only from my childhood, but in the military. And it just caused me to just suppress all my emotions, not being able to show that in any kind of way. And it got to a point where I just anything that I, I faced, any adversity or battles that I faced, when it came to expressing the emotion, dealing with those emotions or processing the pain that I was going through, I couldn't do it. And so um, just to put me in that position of where I was at, um, it was a time where on my third deployment that I literally had hit rock bottom to the point that I wanted to end my own life. I wanted to really take my own life because I was in combat. You know, you was already in that hazardous environment for over 365 days. We got extended that year, too. So I did a 15 month tour instead of a 12 month tour. But also I was going through a, a, a acrimonious divorce. So I was married for six years. We had a child together. And then all of a sudden I come back home to nothing. Bank account drain, car gone, house empty. It's a, I had to start a whole new chapter of my life. So I'm starting from scratch, starting from the bottom to where I had felt was so common to me. It was just a whole new light. And I went through the motions of just trying to suppress those pains by drugs and alcohol. This became a daily ritual for me, even when it came to my job on a professional level as a soldier. I was still lacking in those areas because my focus was only uh, focused on this, the situation that I was going through is dealing with the hurt and the divorce. I wasn't focused on my soldiers. I wasn't focused on the mission or anything else. And I feel there's so many soldiers that deal with this stuff, but don't know how to express it. They don't know how to tell it because believe it or not, uh, unfortunately, some people in the military, due to the fact of the upbringing, how they tear you down to build you back up. They tell you like depression is a sign of weakness because it can get you killed. It can get you killed in the battlefield. It can harm you in some type of way. So that's why you a lot of times see a lot of stern individuals that come from the military due to this uh, lack of understanding that some people are already broken before they even come in the military.
So that's a little bit about my story and me. Oh, <laughs> I'm there's moments where I, I feel like I'm holding my breath, you know, because I'm, I'm summarizing this in my head, you know, difficult childhood environment. Right. In a combat space where you're continuing to suppress your feelings, relationships on a personal level with right. an engagement and then a relationship that didn't go well when it ended and what you came back to and getting to the point where you wanted to take your own life right. is, is, is a whole lot. And so one of the first things that I'm thinking of is this theme about your feelings and what was a point when you decided that you needed to approach that differently after spending so much time not addressing year after year, circumstance after circumstance, what changed for you to be able to, you know, today you're expressing yourself. You're obviously right. connected with where you're at emotionally. What was the turning point for that for you? So the turning point for me was um, on a deployment that I experienced in 2019. So I was in charge of a, a organization. As, I, as you stated earlier, I retired as an Army First Sergeant. So I was already at um, 19 years at that time and going through the motion of that deployment, I had 160 soldiers under my charge. And just to see some of the things that they was experiencing, there was a, a lot of young individual millennials between the ages of 18 to 25. So a lot of the stuff that they was experiencing, they was this is their first time away from home. They never experienced being that far and not being able to call or just go home whenever they felt like it. And it put them in a downhill spiral to the point where they wanted to take their own life. And due to the fact that I had experienced those things, it was easy for me to try to talk them through it. And when I seen that or noticed that, I just felt like it was boom. That's when that paradigm shifted. It was like, hey, you'll be able to coach people through certain circumstances that you already been through because I feel that wisdom is just as important as knowledge is, especially when it's applied the right way. So going along that path and experiencing those things, I also felt a strong hardship during that time frame because uh, I was married and I was going through a hardship within my marriage at that time as well. And I had multiple kids. So I got four kids now. So they was at an age or a standpoint where they un actually understood that, hey, daddy's deploying now. It's a strong possibility he might not come back. So they didn't want to be separated at that time. So it was it was a lot of stuff that I was dealing with. But my mother passed away during that time as well. So it was just one thing after another. And I was like, man, how can I literally deal with this? I actually went to behavior health. And when I went through behavioral health, I literally kicked the door down because I just I didn't go to sleep for multiple days. I say roughly about uh, two to three days. I didn't go to sleep because I was so uh, I dealt with so much uh, pain at that time and anxiety and uh, depression. And I was like, man, I'm not going to put myself in that position that I was before. So I was willing to do whatever it took in order to uh, relieve myself of that stress that I was dealing with. And so I went and kicked down behavioral health door. And when I kicked down that door, I said, I need something right now. I haven't been asleep in 72 hours. I need whatever you got in order to help me get through what I'm going through right now. So they was like, hey, calm down, calm down. And I was like, no, you don't understand. I said, this is what I'm going through. This is what I'm experiencing. So I just started just dishing out everything that I was going through. And it was like, hey, just come to the back of the room so we can help you out. And so when they sat me down, that's when I was like, okay. I need to start like just expressing myself more in order to be able to get me to that point that I need to be. But that's when the paradigm shifted. And that's when I started to realize that I'm not the only person that been going through this stuff. I'm not the only person that deal with it. And I want to do everything in my power to help anybody um, that that needs um, some sign of hope, some signs of relief that they know that they can make it through. And I realized at that point that even broken crayons can still color. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that is that is so true, you know. And I'm I'm sitting here thinking of this analogy. You were like a volcano, right? You know, and 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 you were at the point of eruption because there's all that buildup, all right. that buildup, and it took it took that you know release for you to be heard 
And when you were heard and you you felt safe to be able to express yourself, it changed things. But I think simultaneously, what is so fascinating is when you are in the opposite position of having to listen to others. Right. And seeing, you know, both things, you're going through your own awakening. Right. In yourself. At the same time, there's all these people around you that are going through it, too. And how do you how do you hold space for that? It's through. Right you're recognizing that how, how pivotal your resilience is. It's amazing. Right. Oh my right. gosh, Lester. <laughs> That's, that had to be such an eye-opening moment for you to be I, able to find them. That's it. Like, I can't. <laughs> right. I realized at that point, you know, um, just being in the position that I was in, that, uh, that I wasn't uh, a superhuman that I was actually just human, that I wasn't Superman, that I had, even Superman had to be Clark Kent sometimes. And I really had to find myself and just say, hey, uh, I think the best analogy for me is whenever you're flying on a plane and the steward is, is going through the motion of explaining mm -hmm. how to you know, save yourself or help yourself. And they say, hey, before you help anybody else, done your mask first. Yeah. And so in order for me to be able to help others or continue to help others, I had to really help myself. And there was so much I was dealing with. And just like you said, dealing with that volcano, I had to really release everything that I was going through in order to help others. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I just, I want to call something out because for anybody who's listening and feeling like, you know, it's too late or you're in this, this place where it's so, it's just too hard to make a change. 2019 wasn't that long ago you know, what you're talking about. So I, I want right. to just acknowledge for, for someone listening that in some ways it does feel like it takes a lifetime to, to, to come into your own power, to recognize right. where you're at. But the point is you're here today. You're here right now. You're listening to this and you have it within you to recognize that tomorrow can be different than today and it can be different than yesterday and i just i think it's it's so important because sometimes it's, it feels like that you know it, it just feels right. like it's it's you're in an eternal you know in in this forever place of just feeling like the world is against you right really you know it really isn't and so we one of the things that i was really curious about because i i love the title um of one of the books that you have about winning the battle within and i know there's other pieces of work that you've done is what inspired right. you to take that step to actually start writing and 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 creating this other form of inspiration for people because that's a that's a pretty big step you know that it takes a lot to have that level of vulnerability and to okay now this is coming out to the world um right. what inspired you to do that uh, absolutely so my book went in the battle within uh is currently not out on amazon but what uh put me in this state of writing this book was i dealt with so many years of going through a storm and not ever knowing if the sun would ever shine again. And I suffered from abandonment, like I said before, emotional neglect, self-esteem issues, drug and alcohol, divorce, combat, loss of a loved one, so many things. But in experiencing these, I realized that there was only one thing I could control, and that was me. I couldn't control what happened to me in my divorce as far as how she felt during that time. I couldn't have... Uh, you know, uh, control me having to go to combat because I signed a dotted line when I chose to serve. And going through this, your perception can affect your performance. So how you think about yourself and the things that you go through can really affect how you operate, how you choose to put as for much effort as you can. And so by me, I felt like the uh, you can't win the war in the world if you can't win the war in your mind. So I felt it was best to put this in a book to try and help people make it to that next level, both personally and professionally, by coming up with this book called Winning the Battle Within. Wow, that's powerful. Thank you. Yeah, you know, I, I want to talk to today about the fact that we're still in. It's, it's I struggle with it because I don't even know what to say anymore. This whole pandemic situation. <laughs> it's like right. in the beginning. It was like, oh, okay, you know, this is just going to last for a couple months, maybe. Right. And 
I went through my own personal battle of, of th this is, this is here. This is real. I was just in such denial that, you right. know, the world was this way and, uh, you know, suffering from not being able to do things the same way as we normally do and, and moving into this virtual space of connecting and engaging with people. Um, when I'm just so used to being in person and right. seeing people eye to eye, but, you know, I would be remiss to not acknowledge that our young people are going through this today. This Absolutely. is this is their version of normal. There's young people who, you know, are doing their orientation through the computer. They're, you know, having to figure out adolescent or teenage things in ways that our time, our generation didn't have to. And so resilience, I think, is more important than ever to acknowledge to to embrace you know what would you say to our young people who are you know they're, they're just trying to be normal right now right. they're trying to make friends they're trying to you know talk about things that they want to do maybe they still feel robbed of the opportunity to do those things because right. they yet fully been able to engage in, in a, a school setting or maybe go on some of the cool trips that they've heard, you know, people before them have got to go on, you know, what, what would you say to them about resilience right now? So I know that uh, there are a lot of students out there right now that are dealing with things psychologically, emotionally, academically, and socially, as you stated before. And I would tell them that this is a life learning skill that you need is so important to the point that I always give the analogy dealing with um, the shock absorbers on your car. Like when you're driving down the road, the shock absorbers on your car represents that resilience. And when you're driving down the road without these shock absorbers on your car and you hit a bump, you're going to feel the full impact of it. It's going to be so excruciating, so painful. But if you have that shock absorbers on your car, that resilience, you'll still hit that pothole but the impact won't be as bad. You'll still be able to push through. And a lot of times we get to a point where we're running our race and we don't feel like we can make it through, but that's not the case. You're unbreakable. You're unstoppable. You can overcome anything. You're phenomenal, but you just have to have that tool in order to keep propelling you to that point where you realize that, Hey, I'm greater than where I am right now. This is only uh, a bump in the road that I can get past. This is where I always influence people to have a gratitude of, I mean, an attitude of gratitude because it increases your fortitude. Wow. Yeah. I, I love that, that aspect of gratitude because that's something we can all have right now, right? That's right. something we can all reflect on right now is there's, there's at least something every day. Every day. Before. Every day. I, I tell I tell people all the time, I, I explain to students that there's something throughout that day that you should be grateful for. Like you woke up this morning, you get to experience life. You got to make it. You got to understand that you made it through the pandemic. It's in the, uh, the the remission form right now. Like, but you made it through 2020. You made it through it like you got to be grateful for that opportunity. You didn't get it. You didn't get COVID. And you're able, you're still able, you're still right here today to be able to experience life. You're still right here today to be able to move forward and grow to that person that you have or want to become because you got a purpose inside of you. You was created on purpose for a purpose and you just have to find that purpose. And once you find it, you will continue to uh, flourish and grow in everything that you have growing on. Yeah, that is, that is big. And, and it is interesting too, thinking about our, our young people years from now being able to go and talk about this time and, and you know, what it was like, just like us, you know, talking about um, what, what we learned, our generations that went through the civil rights movement, right. you know, or September 11th. Right. Or you know, certain things that when you think back at, at the magnitude and how monumental things were and how, how do you, survive or how do you make it through this is another example right it's another example of, of us going through a time that we can live to talk about it you know right we can live to talk about it i think mm -hmm. it's 
Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, but it, you know, kind of going back to um, combat and you know, you you being retired now, do you ever go back and talk with um, groups of people like the military uh, and 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 talk to them about you know? Because I imagine that how beneficial it would have been for you to have the tools that you had later in the right. beginning. I mean, for, right. you know, you know, you know, you kind of learn them through after having had to suppress your feelings and going on those different tours. Like, what would that do for somebody if they had that before they deployed? Right. And actually recognize that it's okay for you to process your feelings. Right. And for you to show up strong and be that confident presence, but still be able to have vulnerability and have conversations that actually contributes to your strength. Like they're right. all interconnected. Do you ever go back and, you know, talk with people that are maybe going into that kind of situation in the military? Absolutely. So um, they have a, a course in the military called the Master Resilience Course, which I attended during the time of me being in the military. And the thing about it is that they're teaching you the skill in order to be able to be resilient along your journey in the military. But the, the key portion is to find somebody who has actually been through it and grown through it in order to shed light on the subject of resilience, which is me. So I have been to a lot of um, talks with entry level soldiers, those that are just coming in the military in order to give them an understanding that you're going to face a lot of hardship. You're going to face a lot of adversity, but by using this tool, you'll be able to get through it in a better way, in a better light. Now you just have to understand that resilience is not suppressing the pain. Resilience is not just putting it to the back of your mind and just keep on moving forward. It's actually processing it and moving forward. But how you do that is certain steps that you have to do. And one of them is by having an attitude of gratitude. Another one is PT. Another one is actually uh, keeping yourself busy, like investing in you. Put the focus on you until the focus is truly on you, because without it, you won't be able to continue to flourish in the military and make it to those uh, those ranks of achievement that you are looking for. Because if you focus on certain things that are keeping you down where you at. You won't be able to get to that point. You won't be able to uh, put yourself in a better position in order to grow. Yeah. Oh, I wish you were around in my father's time. <laughs> well, I just, you know, I remember growing up in a military family. Um, it was interesting seeing men in my yes. family. Every, every one of my uncles, my, my own father, like I lost him when I was young, but there was a... Um, Coldness seems like a harsh word because, mm -hmm. you know, my my father was he had so much love and compassion and empathy, but I don't know that the world saw that, you know, right, right. certain people saw that. But I think, you, like you said, because you're conditioned in a certain right. way, it, it just doesn't those kinds of emotions don't manifest themselves. Um, right. I think in the moments that they could, like the right. very first time I think about seeing my tears in mm -hmm. my father's eyes was when he was already on his deathbed and I, and he couldn't talk anymore, but he was, I was talking to him and he was listening mm -hmm. to me and I was just like, oh my gosh, you know, what, what would it have been like if he could have expressed himself differently um but he just had a certain upbringing you know so it's right. not a it's not an indictment it's more of a reflection of like right. wow it's just you know it's different in times when maybe the toolbox i'm just happy that it's that toolbox has grown you know in in that area right which i think important but you know and that which brings me to kind of the next question which is around mental health mm, absolutely and how you uh started to become more of an advocate in that space um and, and what you would you know say about mental health today okay absolutely so uh in my transition i was diagnosed with ptsd anxiety and depression 
So I dealt with personal experiences dealing with mental health and it affected not only me, but my family. It caused a, a, a wedge in my relationship and my connection with my kids. Also, uh, my intimate relationship with my wife, all due to the fact that my family was more scared of me compared to being, you know, just loving and, and caring around me. And it was all due to what I thought. It was hard to decipher after coming from combat um, probability and possibility. And there are so many soldiers who deal with these issues to the point that it can be very discouraging. And I always felt like when I seen soldiers uh, lose their life due to the battle that they have within, it's, it's heartfelt. I, I really, it, it, it struck me, it, it affected me a whole lot because I was like, man, I had, I experienced so many soldiers that took their own life and they was young and they were, I was like, man, you still have a whole life ahead of you. And why didn't they just reach out? Why didn't they just call me? And it was all due to the mental, uh, the mental health issues that they had. They didn't know how to express it. It was always, like I said, frowned upon by certain individuals in the military. Uh, it's the military, I think, is a great organization. But some of the people in the military don't have a grasp or un understanding of empathy. I tell a lot of leaders that they need to have a strong level of emotional intelligence, really have that self-awareness to be the thermostat and not the thermometer. Because due to the fact that you might been brought up in this household doesn't mean that soldier that you might be encountering grew up in that same type of environment. They might have grew up in a hostile environment. They might have grew up, you know, uh, in an abusive family and was just trying to find their way. They might have been strung out on drugs. It was something that they were dealing with. In the, in the transition of trying to get a better life by joining the military that they don't have an understanding of that you need to guide them through. And that's where you come in at as the leader. But it's just like uh, when I when I noticed that I was dealing with this stuff and it was distracting me from what I really wanted to do, I just said I need to be actively engaged and involved in trying to do my part and helping those through it and not just, you know, go through it, but to actually grow through it. That's just, oh, that's so big. That's so big. And I, you know, I just want to acknowledge that importance of mental health because it's, um, I, I don't think that, I, it's gotten better, but I don't know that it's on equal footing as far as the, the uh, relevance and the discussion about mental health compared to like medical health. Right. You know? We talk about the importance of uh, like preventative health, as an example, right. right? Go, go and do your checkups to make sure that your blood levels and all these things are in good, in good standing. So you right. can, uh, you know, eat the right foods and, right. you know, have fitness levels at a certain point because your physical is important, which we right. know that. I think we're taught that. I think yes. we learn about nutrition. There's a class, you know, no matter what state you're in, if you're in the U.S. and I think in other countries, like you learn about these things. But there's not, um, you know, mental health class like, right. you know, in schools today where they talk about the importance of, you know, mindfulness or meditation yeah. or your feelings or expression right. or uh, different creative outlets for how right. you can yourself i mean it's um i feel like that all the things that i see are are kind of later in life yes. like maybe maybe in the professional workplace i i'm starting to hear about things um and honestly it's been more recent because it's a byproduct of the pandemic there's right. a people are seeing that people are going you know, stir crazy or they're, they're just right. not having enough outlets because they're stuck in their homes. And, and so it's almost like a, um, a push towards it more so from environmental factors, not because it was right. actually a priority this whole time, you know? Right. So I just find that very fascinating, but I would love to see the shift. Um, and like I said, I do feel like it's, it's like culminating on under us right now. Like it's, we're at the foundation level of it being something that's more prominent throughout right. like upbringing of, of, of children where it's, right. you know, at 10 years old, they know like it's okay <laughs> to, right. you know, talk about stuff and ask for help, you know? Right. 
There's so many, um, there's so many of us today that has dealt with ACE, adverse childhood experiences, and probably don't even realize it. There's so many of us that have dealt with so many things in our environment when we grew up in life. Like I dealt with the uh, the issue of having uh, a stepfather at my later time as a teenager, and he was a uh, uh, alcoholic, and he was like. I say I want to call it a fourth child in my eyes because my mother still did everything as far as going to work, paying the bills, being that provider, that protector. While he's just sat on his behind and really just indulging just her money by doing whatever he wanted to do. And it was a lot of uh, verbal abuse in that process that I never realized was an issue until I got older. And I feel as though the youth is is more impacted by these things. And if we home in on those things right now, it's easier to build resilient children than to repair broken men. It's just totally easier to get them at that point now. So therefore, when they do understand and they become adults, they can literally take those things that they experience and be able to process them and understand my emotions Mm -hmm. and be able to articulate, communicate. And say what they're experiencing and what they're going through. And they won't have to always feel like they're in their shell and they're not heard. They're not understood. And that there's anything that they can't do about the situation that they're in. Yeah. Sylvester, what would you say to a parent or a teacher right now um, who, you know, is in that position of influence over a young person as it relates to resilience and, and being able to create that psychological safety for a young person like you know and even using your own example as being a you know as being a father and now motivating young people there maybe are is a point when you started to do things differently because you started to learn how to process your own feelings therefore you've been able to influence you know even your kids to be able to work through theirs right so we as adults as parents as teachers counselors uh we are the master gardeners of our children and they won't be able to continue to grow if we're not pouring into them. We need to pour levels of positivity. We need to make them feel as though they're uh, comfortable with who they are. We need to provide them things that I call autonomy. They have to be able to feel as though they're heard, like their voice matters. We have to provide them social competency. We have to be able to teach them how to communicate and express themselves. And then we just got to provide that positive can-do attitude because there's so many young people that feel like they're not getting it at home. They might not be getting it at home as far as that encouragement, that love. And, you know, you, the teacher or the counselor might be the first thing they see to being, you know, that positive influence. Like I said before, my mother wasn't there. So that emotional connection of being poured into as far as saying, hey, you're phenomenal. You're great. And when I go to school, my teacher telling me, like, hey, you're not college material. You're not worthy. So they just adding on to all the already the hurt that I'm dealing with. But if you provide me with that positive can do attitude like, hey, I know this might be challenging for you right now, but I believe in you. I know you can get through it. I just want you to stay focused. I will continue to help you to grow into that person that I see you that you are that you have greatness inside of you. I always tell my kids, like my kids are, I got a 15-year-old, 14-year-old, a nine-year-old, and a four-year-old. And I tell them, yeah, I tell them uh, quite often, I say, hey, what's a positive word starting with the first letter of your name? This is a game I play with them. What's a positive word starting with the first letter of your name? And then they'll tell me. And then I just say, uh, like my, my youngest son, his name is Alex. And I tell him, I said, what's the positive word starting with the first letter of your name? He said, uh, awesome. And I said, Alex is awesome. Words of affirmation. Make them feel as though they had voiced their opinion. Like I said it, but you confirmed it. You know, you confirmed it. Like uh, my oldest son, his name is Emmanuel. He's exceptional. You know, I said it, but then you confirmed it. You know, my, uh, my other son, his name is Sean. You know, he's uh, successful. I said it, but you confirmed it, you know? So if we continue to pour into our kids and just point out those positive things as far as like, hey, their strengths, if you pour out, um, if you find their strength, I got one that's athletic. I got one that's intelligent. I got one that's creative. And then I got one that's a, a, a leader at a young age. My daughter, she's a leader because she's rebellious. Well, <laughs> she's, she's around all those boys. Yeah. So yeah. Hey, she, hey, she don't take no trash from either one of them. So I know she's going to be a leader. 
but I continue to home in and focus on their strengths. And a lot of kids don't experience that. A lot of kids don't have nobody to pour into them to tell them that if they're at their home, it could be a combat environment. Combat is just not, you know, uh, Afghanistan or Iraq. It's in the homes. It's in the streets. It's everywhere. So you got to understand and see them where they are. It's just like the giraffe and the tortoise. Both of them are trying to get to the same place. Everybody wants success and happiness. Both of them are trying to get to the same place, but one can see it. The teacher, the counselor, the parent. You can see that. You can see the success. You can see that happiness. But that tortoise, it can't. That's the child. When you see that path, you got to help them get there because all they see is rubbish. All they see is grass. All they see is this. So I don't know I can get there. Help me get there. Talk me through it. Guide me through it. That's what we need to do as parents, teachers, and counselors. Yeah, that's so big. And 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 it makes me think that, you know, it's a team effort. This is a team sport. I mean, right, right, it, right. you know, the more that I've gone through understanding resilience is the this recognition that we can't do things alone, you know, and, and that includes, you know, how, how we bring up the people around us. I mean, honestly, I think back to, and, and some places still have more of this kind of tribal mentality. That's right. why that 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 phrase, it takes a village, comes from that because the yes. way that we in society, you know, today our civilizations have evolved to a different place where, you know, we have these homes and have these gated communities and have all of this, but that's not how things were before. It was, right. you know, these neighbors and strangers were able to discipline your kids too. <laughs> you right. know, today that's probably going to be taken out of <laughs> and not be so appreciated or, or received in a certain type of way in some places. But but it's true, right? Because it's it's like right. not there every single second, every single right. minute. And so to be able to have people that you can trust around you help right. with that influence is so positive. And that's why I do think that, you know, teachers and parents and caretakers, you know, right. the babysitters, I mean, everybody who is around influencing, it's like we all have to work together right. because that's really how you, you know, you accomplish. There's all there's, you know, different people to turn to. It's yeah. not a one time you know, omnipotent person that right. just has every single answer. So I, you know, I just appreciate you saying that message because there's there's so many different influences um, at any given point in time. We all have a, a social responsibility. Absolutely. And we long them. for connection. We, lo we all long for connection, especially in kids. And mm -hmm. a lot of times they don't feel as though they fitting in with certain individuals. They feel like the, you know, just the social life of what they see on social media mm -hmm. is how they supposed to be. And that's not always reality, mm -hmm. but you wasn't created like everybody else. You was born original. And some children don't see that. Some teens don't see that. We don't, I mean, even twins, identical twins don't have the same fingerprint. Yeah. So you're not meant to be uh, uh, the same. You're meant to be original. You're meant to be authentic. You're meant to be you. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I say, you know, I, my message is to be unapologetically you because right. of that exact, of exactly what you're saying, you know, and, and I do think that social media is, is a little bit disillusioning because you're on the one hand, you know, maybe you're finding these people that inspire you, but they're, they're so distant, right. you know, these, these are, these are people where you're, you're following more of an image, Mm -hmm. um, versus, yeah, and you're following their highlight reel. It's right. not the same thing. And that's why human relationships and connection is so important because the arc of an authentic friendship is the highs and the lows. Right. Not just the celebration points. You know, right. I mean, if our whole life was a celebration, well, then, you know, the world would look like a much different place, but it's not. You know, right. you go through pain, you go through, through uh, you know, tragedy. Right. You, you go through trauma. And those are those are the points that build resilience. Right. Not Absolutely. the celebrations. You know, it's like there's and I think that's what's important because life is is this up and down. And that's why sometimes I think social media can be a little tricky of navigation because you, you don't always see the other side. Right. Of what people are going through. Nobody is posting their failures. 
No. Nobody is posting their failure. They're only posting success. So, of course, they might have hardships. Like, even as an entrepreneur, you deal with multiple hardships, but nobody's really saying, like, hey, I was struggling mentally. I was struggling emotionally, financially. Like, I even had a point where, for me, I was dealing uh, financially. When the pandemic hit, oh, my God, that was a downhill for me, man. I, I remember we was eating uh, ramen noodles, uh, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and frozen dinners for a long period of time before I really start to uh, elevate and really start to make a, a impact and income. So it was it was a tough stage going through that motions roughly about 2019, 2020. Mm hmm. Oh man, I remember those days. That's like taking me right back to college. I, I <laughs> eat every flavor of ramen, cup of noodle, <laughs> the whatever bread you know <laughs> was available. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, I mean, it was, uh, and even that was a group effort because I had roommates and it was a whole process. Right. But so you know, I think the point is, life is is this imperfect. It's a right. perfect journey, but with these, with the tools that we're talking about, you know, right. it can be different, but I really, I want my audience to have an opportunity to get to know you better. So I'm going to ask you some questions about you. Okay. Absolutely. So my first question for you is what are three words that best describe you? Uh, three words that best describe me is, oh, that's good. I would say grit, tenacity, and fortitude. Oh, grit. Yeah. It was like one of the first words that I thought of. So yeah, definitely with, that, with everything that you've shared. Okay. My next question is, what is something you're working on improving? Uh, I am definitely I, myself, just in general, I, I feel like uh, everybody has a level, right? Everybody has a level that they want to achieve. But once you achieve that level, that's still more. And I feel as though I'm still trying to really evaluate and find myself. You always are this individual who are good. Uh, you're, you're trying to be the best husband. You're trying to be the best father. You're trying to be the best employee. You're trying to be the best podcast host. But who are you for yourself? So that is what I'm trying to figure out. That is who I'm, what I'm trying to uh, learn and continue to build on. Who am I for myself? That's that is really deep. <laughs> that is profound because you know when you, you listen to you say that you're so right. We we wear so many hats, right? And it's almost like we we put those different functions that we do ahead of ourselves because we want to be, and it's with good intention. You know, Absolutely. you want to be service to making sure you're doing all those roles well. But then when you when you get to take the hat off. Right. right. What is what does that look like when you when you're not serving in those capacities? What is it like when you're in that stillness with you? Right. Your essence, your being. Oh, that's so good. Wow. I need to think about that more too, Sylvester. <laughs> <laughs> you gave me some homework today with that. Okay. Um, what is a self-limiting belief that you've had to overcome? Mm, a self-limited belief that I had to overcome was knowing that I was God's greatest form of creation. That was a self-limiting belief because, you know, I dealt so much as far as thinking I was unworthy. I dealt with so much of not finding my value, not knowing that I could be anything that I put my mind to because I'm his greatest form of creation. So, that has been a limited belief in me. I didn't think that I would be in front of people talking. I never thought that I could write books. I never thought that I can bring somebody to a point where they're able to see the greatness within themselves, but I've been able to do it. And it's all because I got rid of that limited belief of thinking that I didn't have what it takes in order to do it. Yeah. And that's, that's what's amazing is that we have that within us. Right. It's like these moments where we 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 have to find it and harness that. Right. And that's that's why I started this podcast is the exact thing that you're you're saying is sometimes being broken down to be built back up, like what you right. talked about in the military. I love that example. You're so right. 
um, is, is knowing that it's like, we have those reincarnations, you know, because I just like you, I've had those moments like going through divorce and go, I mean, these are things that when they're happening, you're like, I do not wish this on nobody. (laughs) My worst enemy. I don't even like, it's so excruciating. Yeah. In, in, in those moments. And, and you really don't know how you're getting, like you do not see the light. When no. you're in it, it is dark. It is so right. dark and, right. and you are, are, are just hoping on a wish and a prayer that when you, that you, that you'll be able to open your eyes again because it's, right. it's just dark. But when you, when you realize that you do, you can and you will, and it will be a, it's temporary. These situations are temporary. Right. They're not permanent. It helps you to understand that you're being right. unbreakable. You know. Right. So I just appreciate you sharing that because it's something I think people can really resonate with. Is that we've all had those moments where we're just like, I can't even see the light of day right now. Yeah, that self doubt, uh, imposter syndrome. Uh, I, I got I got something that I call the uh, the ten 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 rule. Right. The ten 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 rule is like. Uh, when you when you face an experience in your life, uh, you evaluate it, right? You take the time to reflect on it. How would this affect me 10 minutes from now? How would this affect me 10 months from now? How would this affect me 10 years from now? So when you go through the motion of reflecting on these things, as far as evaluating the situation that you're in currently, like you can go through a divorce and it will affect you 10 minutes from now because your emotions are so round up dealing with that situation. But then 10 months from now, would you be at a greater state? You'd probably be better than you were 10 minutes ago. And then mm-hmm. 10 years from now, you'll get through it. You'll be at a whole nother place. You'll find yourself to the point where you're doing other things because sometimes adversity is the best teacher and it helps you to go to a, a whole nother situation in your life where you thought you could never find yourself in. So the 10, 10, 10 is how you break down a lot of things and reflect on the situation that you're going through currently in order to help you get on that path and say, I will make it through this. I know I will get there. It's just going to take time. I think that's big. I think there's people right now <laughs> processing <laughs> that thing. Like, oh man, he's right. 10, 10 months from now that this isn't going to be, this is going to be different. This is going to be yeah, different. It's going to be different. And that, man, that is so true because yeah, get, you know, things like that. I think back to divorce and it was like, Man, this ten minutes is lasting forever. Hey, <laughs> oh, gosh, this yeah. is miserable. Right, right, right. You gotta you face know. it. You got to face it. You just can't smother and just keep moving forward. You have to literally face the pain. And it's okay to cry. It's okay to be hurt. It's okay not to be okay. And some people think they just gotta get up and go, especially if they're like a parent or got like a high position in a job. No, you're human. Take that opportunity to process the pain that you're going through. Don't try to block it. Don't try to shield it. Don't try to like distract it in any kind of way. Go through it so you can grow through it. Yeah. And and I do, th- you know, and I do recognize through those different experiences, the difference between pain and suffering. Yes. You know, pain is, is that moment. Right. Suffering is staying in it. And that's the right. different choice. You know, so... Oh man, that is 10, 10, 10 people, 10, 10, 10. Okay. <laughs> if there is one thing you write down today from listening to this episode, work on the 10, 10, 10. I love that. I love that so much. Okay. My next question for you is what is one thing that you want to see changed in the world? Oh man, that's big. Uh, for me, it would actually be education. Changing the curriculums and education. And I say that because um, my kids are still learning the same thing I learned in school. And we don't focus on the major things that they need, like financial literacy. I didn't learn about finances until I was an adult, till I was actually struggling to pay bills. And it's messed up. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Horrible financial decisions, right? right? Yes, absolutely. And then mental health, you know, like. These kids need to learn that, you know, ways of coping with certain things that they go through, the adversity, the level of uh, the hardship that they might deal with because they're dealing with it on a extreme level. And I think if we actually took the time to change some of the curriculums in school and implement these things, 
they will actually, you know, be able to be successful citizens in life and also be phenomenal in everything that they do and be able to process so many things other than just pain. Thank you so much for saying that. <laughs> I can't tell you how many conversations I have with young people about right. well, and adult people, even right. I'm like you adult. Are you kidding me right now? Right. <laughs> I mean, about like financial literacy. Oh, it's huge. It's a real thing. And you're you're so right. We need to, we really that's a paradigm that needs right. to shift right there. That that's something that is big because, you know, and maybe that that is a little bit of this systematic. Uh, a little bit of a systematic oppression, if you think about it, because not people, yeah. you know, with with the with the information that enables them to make good decisions and have more leverage right. and ability to have uh, money and credit and things like that work for them. Right. You shouldn't have to do the kinds of things that you and I did, right. which is to make certain decisions and then have to repair those and right. then be able to be okay. We should be equipping people with the knowledge now so they don't make those mistakes exactly. and actually, you know, persevere and thrive with their finances. Right. Oof, my gosh. <laughs> okay. My next question is, what is one of the best pieces of advice that you've ever been given? Uh, carpe diem. Carpe diem. You never know the time or the place. You never know the day. You never know the hour. And if you don't seize the day, you don't seize the moment, you'll never know who you could have been if you never took that opportunity to do it. So carpe diem. I had a sergeant major tell me that one day, uh, dealing with the situation of my mother. And I was, I chose to like stay with my organization because I felt like I was the senior enlisted advisor. I need to stay here and take care of my unit. And she was like, carpe diem. And I was like, what that got to do with like right now? And she yeah, was like, like, like your mother, she was like, your mother could pass away. You will, you it's a possibility that you will never get to see her again if you stay here. But if you don't go home and get that time in with her, if you don't seize this moment, who knows when you'll ever have this opportunity again? And I was like, man, that's deep. And I said, I'm on the next thing smoking. Get my plane, get my plane together. But carpe diem. Yeah. Some people, hey, they don't take the time to really think about that. You don't know the time, the day or the hour when you'll leave this earth, when I will leave this earth with my kids. So I take every moment. I value time because you can never get it back. So you want to invest it wisely. And the best person to invest that with is for me, my family. Yeah. And the thing about it. I, I, I've said this like the last two or three days in different conversations is the only thing we know is that we're going to go. Yeah, that's it. Point. And, 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 and like you said, you don't know the time. And so all we have is now, all we have is now. Right. And, so, uh, and, and so this, this, this thing of, of people, you know, waiting, or right. I get I, to it. I get to it. <laughs> this perfect moment, this perfect time is bullshit. I mean, right. it's there's right. no other way that I could say that. I know that right. sounds so blunt, and I probably haven't said it that way before, but it's that's too late. By the time right. you all and say all of that, right? The train's leaving the station now. And you just you do not want to be in a situation where you miss so many trains that there right. is not coming back for you to jump on. Right. You know, and so. Um, oh, I love that. I love that, Sylvester. That's Thank like, you. that that is big. But I want you know, the, and this is this is really important. It's just what's what's going on next for you and how can people stay connected with you follow you and 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 you know you're you're such an inspirational person i want people to be able to continue to you know get your books follow your work because i do you know it could be the difference of them getting unstuck right, right? able to put you into their into their social media feed you know what i mean so right. tell us what's next for you and how we can follow you absolutely so what's next for me i'm currently working on uh, my fourth book called from uh from combat to come back 
And it's a book just basically um, telling everybody that like, hey, adversity is the fuel to success. And here's how you get through it. Because although, like I said earlier, combat isn't just in the battlefield as far as Afghanistan and Iraq. It's in our homes. It's in our relationships. It's in our finances. We deal with those battles. There's multiple people that are dealing with those things and don't know how to get through it. And they don't understand, like like we said earlier, dealing with financial literacy. There are plenty of people who can learn from this. And there's people, uh, divorce, bereavement, all these things. And from combat to come back. So everybody has it in them. But uh, you can find me on all social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, uh, YouTube, whatever it might be. But And then you can also find me at my website at SylvesterJenkins.com. Awesome. I'll make sure to put the links in the show notes so people can click and be able to follow you on all those different platforms. But I'm so speaking of gratitude, I'm, I'm grateful for this. I'm grateful for holding this space, being able to learn from you, being able to, to, to even just share in these stories because it did, you know, it, one of the things that I think is so rare is just reflecting. We yes. just, we, we just move on. You know, we don't even, like you said, with feelings, we just next don't, yeah. don't even have a chance to process or, 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 you know, anything. And, and sometimes we need this. It's like this, it's a cathartic experience to be able to talk about what we learned from and that that was a mistake and I could do better. And I think right. that's how, like you say, you got to grow through it. Right. That's the only way. So I, I feel like this is one of those conversations where I'm hoping not, you know, not just for us, but for people listening that there's, they've felt an opportunity to grow and learn something new today. So. Absolutely. I thank you so much for the opportunity and the time to be on your platform. I think everything that you're doing is phenomenal. I love how you're awakening people because so many people out there are sleeping on themselves and for you to bring this platform to the table is remarkable. Oh, thank you so much for that. This has been so awesome. And um, this, this won't be the last time we connect, especially with uh, your books and everything else. So there's more to talk about i'd love to have you back and talk about some of the new stuff that you're doing so i'm excited for you likewise likewise very much so thanks sylvester thank you broken crayons can still color ah sylvester with your analogies so so good i am uplifted i am inspired and i am motivated from that man. Talk about resilience. He is the epitome of it. He has gone through so much and he is doing so much today to inspire all of the people around him. So I'm gonna let his message carry the day from this episode. I'm gonna stack on to the 10, 10, 10 and I'm gonna adopt that principle. Whatever you're going through right now, ask yourself, Is it gonna matter in 10 minutes, 10 months, and 10 years? How is that gonna look? It's all about perspective. You're here today listening to this podcast because you care about growing yourself and creating a mindset that is going to allow you to persevere through your dreams and become a more resilient person. When we can expand the way that our mind thinks of things, especially the things that are hard, difficult, the adversities, recognizing how through strategies like 10, 10, 10, that we can persevere is how we overcome, is how we get stronger. It's how we serve the people around us. That's freaking awesome. I hope that you were inspired from Sylvester. Please follow him on all of the platforms. He is phenomenal. He is such an incredible speaker. Oh, oh, so good, so good. And we are officially in the month of December now. How did that happen? In 31 days, we will be in a new year, 2022. What do you want that to look like? What does the best version of yourself look like? 
in the new year. Think about that. So much can change in six months, in a year. Work on that vision, those dreams. Have that perseverance. Have that grit and that tenacity. Tenacity. Look, I'm making it my own words today. Tenacity. I can't even speak. (laughs) Okay. Well, on that note, before I stumble through my words here, uh, make sure that you tune in again for another inspiring episode. Remember that you are your only limit. So take action today. I will see you again on the next episode of the Born Unbreakable podcast.